How's it going, everybody? Welcome to your new favorite podcast. It's the 61st episode of Fear Frequency, and if you're new here, this is a weekly horror podcast where George and I round up the latest horror news and review a movie or two. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne. And I'm George Fassard. And you can always email us at fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com, and we'll read your message on the show. Uh, We actually do have a new review on iTunes this week. Uh, It's from user... uh, ajsea1234 and that says best horror podcast this is one of my favorite podcasts i wasn't really a horror film fan until jake and andrew from because video games sent me over here now i love horror movies this podcast makes my walk to and from school 10 times better and gives me all the latest horror news if you like the horror genre check this podcast out five we're still Reaping the benefits of <laughs> me, me being featured on Because Video Games once. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Still, that's still paying dividends. Yeah, we should do. We should have them back on. I think it's almost been a year since we had them on the show. Yeah, I so, feel like they were on fairly early into the, our, our whole yeah, thing. Yeah, like, it was like, because we had like, Jonathan on like, right at the beginning of last year. And then we were like, let's do more guests. And then we were like, this this isn't this is a lot of work. That. <laughs> it's much harder to coordinate with multiple yeah. people. You gotta teach them how to use Discord, you gotta teach them how to record things, you gotta teach them how to send you the audio. It's like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> so that's a really kind review. I appreciate it. I used to listen to podcasts all the time when I would walk to class, so it's always good to have something. Uh, keeping you company while you're walking to school but george i'm getting that dr loomis scream we only took one week off but this time we have a halloween alert uh i put this title as the first true halloween 3 has a new writer but there is a true halloween 3 already which is h20 <laughs> so the good halloween 3 hopefully has a new writer so jason blum has been talking about how bad he wants to do a sequel to this halloween and he's trying to make it happen and it looks like uh, they finally hired someone to write a treatment for the script, which we kind of already knew because way back on October 5th, Brad over at Bloody Disgusting reported that they had already started working on a new movie before it had even come out with a new writer. And it turns out that guy's name is Scott Teams, and he hasn't really done a whole lot. Uh, he hasn't done a whole lot of... It's not that he hasn't done a whole lot of horror, like you know Danny McBride and David mm-hmm. Gordon Green. He just hasn't done a whole lot. But he did write two Stephen King adaptations for Blumhouse, which is Firestarter, which Scott Derrickson is directing, which is like the guy who did Sinister. And so that's a good person to have. And Doctor Strange. And he also did The Breathing Method. He wrote those, and Blumhouse was like so impressed that they had him come up with a treatment for Halloween, and they liked that a lot. So they're going to let him write the movie. Yeah. Um, this is a little shocking, I guess. I mean, it just seems weird yeah. that they're moving away from the uh, writer-director duo that kind of just brought the series back. So I don't know if it's just a thing where David Gordon Green and Danny McBride don't want to come back for a sequel. or I don't think they do because... David Gordon Green was, like, noticeably absent from all the press tour and stuff. It feels like he made this movie and was like, I did it, and then bounced right off. Mm -hmm. And the time frame on making that Halloween last year was insanely quick. They basically started shooting because they had to. Like, they were like, if we don't start shooting, this movie's not going to come out in October. Right. And it has to come out in October. So, I feel like it was a much harder experience than it was made out to be to make that movie and i feel like they were like we did it it had well received like well received movie 
and so they're bouncing off of it and i'm fine with that just because blumhouse is still involved and hopefully since the movie made like 250 million dollars blumhouse will have the you know the collar like loosened a little bit Mm -hmm. and they'll have a little bit more money and time to play with because there's no there's no way this movie's coming out this year like people were saying uh it's definitely coming out next year because at this point in time they had already started shooting last year's it would have had to already have like scene shot and a plot like a screenplay written everything would have had to been farther down the line at this point if it was going to be an october release you can't yeah. <laughs> throw it together in eight months. And there, there is a lot of good with this because um, they've got Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, and Annie Matichek all signed on to come back, uh, allegedly. Like, that's just rumored or mm. whatever. But I, I think they'll come back. John Carpenter, he said he'd do the score again. Uh, James Jude Courtney, there's no doubt in my mind he would come back. So everyone important to the movie, because they're going to appear on screen, will come back. Uh, so I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like it's worth getting upset about this this early in the game, you know? Right. And when when Danny McBride and David Gordon Green were announced as the people behind the last Halloween, we were all pissed. So, and look how that turned out. So honestly, I don't know. I think I think it's just something we should just keep our minds on, but not really, you know. I, there's really nothing you can do, but right. it's just something to like keep be aware of. And, and I think uh, at this point, Blumhouse has definitely earned the benefit of the doubt from everybody. Um, right where i think so you wouldn't be maybe this isn't the best news you ever heard it's not super juicy it's not a writer that you'd expect but i think they probably know what they're doing at this point and and they've definitely proven that lately especially they've been pumping out a lot of great movies so i think yeah. th- they got it figured out we, we could just uh we can trust them with this guy <laughs> i saw happy death day 2 last night i got to go to an early screening that that movie is going to be hard to top as my favorite movie of the year. I know Star Wars will probably beat it, I hope. Strong praise. But, like, that, it's so good. It ditches the the slasher element. It kind of, like, rehashes it a little bit. Uh, it's in there, but it's not the focus. But they kind of go for a Back to the Future 2 sci-fi type story, and it works really well. And, I don't know, Jessica Roth, she, like, kills it once again. She somehow is better in this than she was in the first one. It, it's it's awesome. Like if you're if you're a fan of the first movie, you'll love it. So yeah, I think Blumhouse and Universal they are a good team. No matter how much Universal seems to drop the ball, Blumhouse is there to catch it on the bounce. You know, right? They're like walking behind. Yeah, I I definitely think that we have nothing to worry about with Blumhouse being the main captains behind the wheel. Yeah, uh, but the Scott teams guy. I mean, I watched. I think it was like a Sundance interview with him or something. He seems like a cool dude, but the weirdest thing I noticed about him is I looked up what he looks like. He looks like Dag Furch, <laughs> the guy who played Michael in, uh, you know, yeah. the Rob Zombie. Yeah, movies, he doesn't. Does, he? he has like the long blonde hair, and <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. It's just no, weird that he does. He it's just, just like a weird tangential Michael connection. look from the Rob Zombie remake. Yeah. So. I don't know. There's really there's not there's not much to talk about this. I just thought it was worth mentioning because I like having the Halloween alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully the news keeps coming, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. The first real news story we have this week is about a movie that I don't really know how it's gonna work. <laughs> so the boy two, we, I know we talked about it on the show that it's actually happening, but uh, Katie Holmes is the star this time around instead of Lauren Cohen, and they actually sent out like an image of someone digging up that doll Brams in like the forest. But the reason that a sequel, 
I don't see how it could work is because I'm pretty like the whole twist of the boy spoilers if you haven't seen it three two one is that there's a guy living in the walls of this house right and he like talks to his parents through the walls and he he's a creep but I think he dies at the end of the boy if I remember right I only saw it that one time with you in theaters I mean I don't but I, I, th- <laughs> I can see how they can just make him not stay dead. But the weird part is that movie works because the twist is actually pretty interesting. And yeah. when you see it happen, you're like, oh, it's not a ghost story. It's a guy, House of Wax, living in the walls story. <laughs> House of Wax, that's a good reference. So you're like, oh, that was actually kind of cool. So without that element of like going in and expecting one thing and them subverting your expectations, it's just going to be like, okay, when's the like nine-foot-tall guy going to keep crawling through the walls like when's he gonna come out <laughs> like yeah having that element exposed from the start just makes the movie weaker yeah <laughs> i mean it's it's being produced by lakeshore films and like stx films they don't put out a lot of stuff and i don't think the stuff they do put out makes a ton of money mm-hmm. so they're probably saying like yo um who's coming back who's uh william brent bell and stacy meaner Menair, mm-hmm. they're the ones who directed and wrote it respectively they're probably like yo do whatever the fuck you want because that movie made that movie made bank so yeah. <laughs> i mean I think it I, i'm curious to see it was a huge return on investment this is just such a unknown quantity like this could be something where it's as entertaining or original or strange as the first one and i end up walking out right. liking it or it'll just be a huge pile of shit and, <laughs> and just feel like a total cash grab yeah (laughs) it's definitely you know like with uh, a quiet place where it's like a sequel is so unnecessary that you kind of like don't even want it this is sort of a movie where a sequel is totally unnecessary but i still want it because it's like (laughs) i want to see i want to see this train crash again you know i want to see how they like pull off another interaction in this world this strange mythos (laughs) they've created yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's weird but hey i mean at least they're making it so that's kind of cool uh people are really excited that katie holmes is going to be in it that that means nothing to me it's just like oh it, it it's a weird continuation they're like we gotta hire like a hot actress <laughs> okay <laughs> so that's the boy two update for you guys this week and speaking of potential train wrecks the pet cemetery pet cemetery remakes second trailer dropped last week uh, and I actually thought this trailer was really good, but it does spoil a big change from the book. So if you're already mad that I spoiled the boy and you want to like not hear this big spoiler, <laughs> you should definitely just hit that skip ahead 15 seconds button. So anyways, the, in this new trailer, it reveals that instead of Gage dying, the little boy, it's going to be the girl, the sister, she's going to die and be brought back to life, which isn't really that big of a change no, but it feels kind of minor i mean it's still the same basic plot just swapping one character for another it's not right a huge but people of course the plot, but are losing their fucking minds over this yeah yeah i've seen quite a bit of outrage and backlash um but i didn't even really think this book was that beloved like i didn't really have never heard people really defend this book or be huge <laughs> like fans of it and have a lot of fan yeah. for this so i don't um i don't know if it's just because the movie is coming out people want to seem like cool for reading the book but i don't know 
it, it just seems like why would you complain about s- such a minor change? Yeah, so there is a shot in the trailer which I was really scared about Zelda because Alyssa Brooke Levine is playing her in this movie and she's like a cute teenager, mm-hmm. whereas like in the original movie, Zelda's played by a man and it's really creepy. Right. But there's a shot of her kind of like contorting and crawling on the ground. It flashes for a second in this new trailer and that kind of like restored my hope in the character. That was good. Um, I also thought John Lithgow was a great old man i i can't remember did he say sometimes dead is better in the trailer or did they just kind of like tease it um i think that's like the new tagline for the movie i don't know if it's actually right because that's what he says but i I think it's like definitely what they're pushing in the marketing yeah um i think just the overall look of the movie is good i really wished instead of jason clark we got wyatt russell because he's fucking awesome and he looks just like jason clark (laughs) So, I don't know. I, I'm all for them changing stuff. Like, I I think the original Pet Cemetery, as campy as it is, is, like, a perfect adaptation. Like, I don't think there's much room to play around with by telling that same story again. So, if they want to make some changes to the plot, that's fine with me. They also teased a Wendigo in this movie that is from the book but really didn't show up in the original adaptation. So, Personally, I'm on board with this. I think it'll probably be pretty good. But the biggest thing that's bothering me about it is that the title treatment is made in a free font. Because <laughs> I use it. It's called, uh, it's like called 80s font spelled out. And oh, it's wow. exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my big complaint. <laughs> uh, so no. what do you think of the trailer? Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I thought that the aesthetic of the trailer was great. The graveyards look creepy and everything seems, you know, properly gothic or strange. Um, I, I like the inclusion of the kids wearing the animal masks doing some oh, kind that, of occultish Is that ceremony. from the book? Because that's fucking cool. That's Th- really, really cool. That I don't know. I've never read the book. But um, that is a cool aesthetic change and kind of plot twist in a bit like a little change if it isn't in the book to to add this this part to it that i think looks pretty cool and seems like they're going to be in the movie for more than just a scene or two because we see them both in the basement and walking through the cemetery i also think pet cemetery the movie is old enough and obscure enough to where the remake I feel like the remake is warranted. It's justified because mm-hmm. it's not like one of those movies where you could say like, oh, just go back and watch the old one. Because as great as the old one is, I'm sure a lot of people don't know about it. Um, I think like people in our circle who are tuned in know about it, but I don't think the layman knows about it. You know what I mean? Right. And, so, And like you were saying, I, I think anybody who adapts something that kind of has a beloved or established movie if you don't put your own twist on it or change it up enough put your own flavor on it why even make remake it at all right so i don't know the director though um he's i think it's andre overdahl i'm pretty sure am i making that up what's his name oh no it's kevin andre overdahl is doing another movie that looks really good what was it oh scary stories to tell in the dark we're gonna talk about that a little later andre overdahl is the guy who did um Autopsy Jane Doe. The guy who's directing this movie is named Kevin Kolsch, and this is where George and I's bias kind of comes in. He's the guy who directed Starry Eyes, right. which is right. a movie that we both really like, but not a lot of people have seen. And this was like right when George and I started to discover VOD movies, like VOD horror and everything. 
we found Starry Eyes, and it's really good. It's a really good movie. So, I don't know. I think the director's good. I think the cast is good. I think the look of the movie is good. It's coming out um, in April 5th, so that's right before summer. And the trailer really recreates a really good summer feel, in my opinion. So, I don't know. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I am too. I think I came off on the second trailer as very enthusiastic and excited for it. I wasn't turned off by the second trailer at all. And you're the Stephen King expert, but I did download um I downloaded Pet Cemetery. I want to read the novel because people say the novel is really creepy and it's mm-hmm. not that long. It's not like one of his longer books. So I downloaded that on my iPad cuz I'm going on a trip this weekend. Yeah, be kind so of I'm cool excited to check, to check it out. that out. Yeah. And then dude, so we have we're going to talk about Child's Play a couple times in this episode. But the first news I want to talk about is actually from today. Slash Film put up an article about the TV show that's coming from Nick Antosca and uh, Don Mancini to Sci-Fi. And it reveals a lot about the show. Like, everything that we wanted to know is revealed. But it's just so weird that they just, like, threw it up. You know? <laughs> like, they're just like, here it is. So, the working title for this show is Chucky. That's the first thing, which makes sense. We knew it would be either like something of Chucky or whatever, mm-hmm. but just calling it Chucky, Nick and Tosca said, you know what that is when you hear the word? And he's he's totally right. So calling a show Chucky, I'm totally on board with that. And he says it's going to be more like the early film early films he said the series is going to be closer to the tone of the first two movies in the series it's going to go back to a sort of classic scare which is weird because the way cult of chucky ends it's like jennifer tilly is playing um tiffany back in her human body and then tiffany the doll is inhabited by the little girl from curse of chucky and uh what's her name mia or something Mm -hmm. nika nika Brad Dourif's daughter, Fiona Dourif, her character is, like, has the soul of Chucky in her. And that's how Cult of Chucky ends. But apparently this one is going to be more like the early films and focus on kids and, you know, Chucky being a doll that goes after kids. So that's kind of weird. I mean, that's definitely a smarter way to take this series. I think at this point... I completely point, agree. After Cult, like, the mythos is so overcomplicated and dumb that they need to kind of take it back yeah. like strip it back to what what the whole series is about and and kind of you know get back to their roots in a sense instead of <laughs> focusing on all this because like really what happened in cult that was so annoying was they just ruined the entire plot of the franchise because <laughs> chucky can inhabit multiple bodies and it just makes him the most op character it's like why even like, his whole point was to get out of the body, not create a bunch of dolls with him in it. Yeah. So, he did that. That was dumb. Uh, he, he, the website Slash Film actually asked where Jennifer and Fiona are, and, and Tosca said they might pop up eventually, but it's new characters. I don't want to say anything definitive. I want to leave that to Don, but let's just say there might be opportunities in the story for Jennifer or Fiona to make an appearance. Of course, the plan is for Brad to be the voice, which that's the most important thing to me, Brad mm-hmm. Dura voicing Chucky, but what I think this this could be a fresh start, like they've been saying from the start it will be, and still take place after Cult of Chucky because Chucky has been split into multiple dolls, you know? Right. So one of these dolls could end up with new kids, and that leaves an opportunity for Jennifer Tilly and uh, Nika, played by Fiona Dourif, to come into, like, one episode, get their check from Don Mancini, and bounce out. You know what I mean? Like, I, I I think they're doing everything right with this TV show so far. 
They've got good people involved. I heard that. Remember when we were talking to um, Brett at uh, Intelleride and he was telling oh. us how they could play You Might Be the Killer on sci fi because they don't care about swearing on sci fi? Right. I guess that wasn't like a known fact because people were asking if they can swear in the show. And I guess it was either Don Mancini or Nick and Tosca. They were like, yeah, we can say fuck. Like, no one cares because of when the show is airing. It's like after a certain time, uh, sci-fi doesn't care. Well, that's good then. So, yeah. And I think the possibility for a real sequel to Cult of Chucky is still open for fans of that movie. Because weirdly, it does have a lot of fans. So, I don't know. I'm really excited for this show. I think it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. um, I'm like hesitantly optimistic about it i will um i think this is probably going to be better than the movie for sure um but i don't know how good it'll be i I think if they can kind of recreate some of the stuff that was good about the original child's play and just kind of focus on that and the scares and kids versus the doll and parents not believe them and that kind of idea as opposed to this like bloated mythology i think that could be cool right and I think the title, the title is the thing that I read it and I was like, okay, that's what got me kind of like over the fence. I'm being excited. It mm-hmm. just feels cool. You know, right? like Chucky. That's like a really good title for the show. I think it's, it's, it's much better than using the child's play again for your reboot. Right. And obviously that would also be confusing since the reboot's also coming out this year. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but first uh, one of the big worries from Disney buying Fox was that R-rated movies like Deadpool or Alien or Predator wouldn't get made anymore now that, you know, Disney owns it because Disney is kind of really scared of making R-rated movies. But Bob Iger said that they plan on keeping Deadpool an R-rated brand and plan to further include R-rated film brands in their future product portfolio. So that was one of our big worries. We talked about this, but this this makes sense to me. I, I don't... I don't think Disney is scared enough of R-rated movies to, like, give up on them entirely. And they have Fox. Like, they can still release them right. under the Fox name. So, there's really not much of a difference. Right. It's not... <laughs> Toy Story 4 isn't an R-rated movie. It's... They're going to take franchises that have been established R-rated franchises and continue those. <laughs> so, like, I, I understand the, the fear that they were just going to try to maybe stay away from those franchises and focus on more family-friendly stuff, but uh, it's good to hear that they're not afraid to continue with things that obviously make money. I mean, I think if they were to create a new Deadpool, I know the issue with that was they did the Once Upon a Deadpool, where they kind of re-released two in PG-13 version, yeah, and that kind of scared people, like, uh-oh, <laughs> maybe Deadpool 3 is going to be PG-13, but... Um, that was definitely always the plan, though, because Deadpool 2 didn't make as much money as the first one, and they wanted to recoup some of that. Yeah, so uh, there might have even been some wishy-washiness there where they were seeing if a PG-13 approach would have been better, and then that also didn't make any money. So they were like, well, yeah, I didn't, R- I didn't hear anything about that. <laughs> I never, I completely forgot it was released. Right. So, so they're probably like, well, the R-rated one made 10 times as much as the PG-13 version, so we'll just we'll keep it that R-rated because that makes more money. Uh, I'd really like them to do what they did with the games uh, with Marvel and take the license back from Sega and then let um, other 
like publishers like Sony or Nintendo or Microsoft bid on making games in these universes because as good as Alien Isolation was, I think it gets a lot more credit for being a good Alien game more than being like a good game. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. Like it's good, it's just a little too long. So uh, I think it would be cool if we got like a Sony Alien game or a Microsoft Alien game or even a Nintendo the Alien game, which will never happen, but... <sighs> You know, it's just, Disney's been pretty good about licensing this shit out for games. They haven't been great because of all the Star Wars stuff, but mm. if they treat it like they've treated Marvel, that, that'll be good. Yeah, and obviously they've built that brand up to be huge, huge, huge since they've gotten a hold of it. So yeah, I could see them obviously revitalizing other franchises by just being able to fund the right directors, writers, actors, whatever you need to make the franchise good or continue it in a meaningful way. Right, and Disney owning Fox means that if they want to go back to the drawing board on Alien and kind of soft reboot it, uh, Fox has access to Lucasfilm, and Fox has access to Marvel. Because obviously Fox, this Fox end of it, a really good possibility is actually doing the Alien and Predator universes mixing right So if they have access to these two companies who have both done a fairly good job at mixing universes, Marvel definitely more than Star Wars, uh, I think that could only help the Alien and Predator universes. Because Disney is probably the best at creating shared universes, except for maybe Warner Brothers with the Conjuring movies. Mm -hmm. And if they have the ability to make an R-rated shared universe that doesn't suck like Universal's Dark Universe, that'd be awesome. Right. If they can make an actually interesting alien cinematic universe that isn't as split as the most recent movies were, the last trilogy? Yeah. Do... Do... Ridley Scott wants to make a trilogy, (laughs) Trilogy? but I don't think he'll be allowed to because (laughs) Alien Covenant did not make... It, like, made its money back. It didn't make a profit. Right. And, and but I, I liked Alien Covenant. Yeah. I thought Alien Covenant was really good. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good, too. But those were definitely, that and Prometheus very much were a split vote uh, by fans. Yeah. <laughs> so if they can kind of maybe take that back and rebuild it again in a way that won't be so split and kind of unify all the fans back into liking this and making more Alien movies, I'd be behind that. Right. So... The the real story here is that the future isn't so uncertain anymore for R-rated properties with Fox and Disney merging. That's that's the big point we wanted to get across here. Which is good news. Uh, so two weeks ago, we skipped last week just because I saw The Prodigy and then I got busy because I had to do two videos in one day. So it's basically my fault. Don't be mad at George. <laughs> but two weeks ago, um, we talked about how Lee Winnell was signed on to write or no, direct an Invisible Man movie for Universal, and it was basically writing the wrongs of the Dark Universe. Well, he had an even better week when it turned out that he was signed on to write an Escape from New York remake for Fox. And Escape from New York is a movie that I think kind of deserves a remake, but also I don't know how they'd make it better. But if they wanted to make it better, I think Lee Winnell signing on to write it is a good step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think he's a good writer to tackle that because he's written a lot of pretty great movies lately and I feel like if he has the passion for a story or a universe, he could write something that's pretty good for it, but right, I just don't know ways to improve upon 
escape from New York. Like, it, I don't yeah, want it to be this big CGI fest. Right. Like, I don't. I don't want it to be like, you know, the rocks movies, like uh, skyscraper <laughs> right. or rampage. Like, I don't want it to be, or even San Andreas. As much as we both like that movie, I don't want it to feel like something like that. You know. No, like Escape from New York is kind of cheesy because you know, like the lines are all like very, like over the top, and the guns are people are just spraying bullets left and right, and people just fall over and stuff. But it's like the inspiration for Metal Gear Solid, yeah, too, which like, is awesome. <laughs> but but like for all those reasons, it's really fun. Like the campiness really adds to the movie. It makes it like such a fun watch, and obviously Kurt Russell's like the perfect protagonist in that movie. So. I, I just don't know. I, I mean, number one, I don't know how you can ever replace Kurt Russell as as Snake. Right. I I don't. I don't even get because The Rock is playing him in the Big Trouble in Little China Town reboot or Big Trouble in Little China. I and that's that. fine. Like <laughs> I, it's like whatever. I don't think that's going to be good. That that seems like it's shaping up to be pretty bad anyway. Honestly, just give it to Wyatt Russell, too. Like, he proved he could play a character like his dad in Overlord. Right. And we know he's a pretty good nuanced actor from that episode of Black Mirror he's in. So, give us a new generation of Russell, dude. I mean, the, I'd be... The spawn of, the spawn of Goldie Hawn <laughs> and Kurt Russell is too powerful to not be utilized, is right. what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I'd be I'd be pretty happy with that. I think I think he is good. I, I liked him a lot in Overlord. Um, <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's the only option. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> thing I'd be slightly okay with, unless they got the de aging technology from Disney and just put Kurt Russell in it again. You know how like in Metal Gear Solid Two they do the fake out and you play as Raiden the whole <laughs> game, and then Snake goes by Snake Plissken instead of Solid Snake or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how many like video game personalities actually know that it's a reference to Escape from New York, because that's something that I think we both discovered on our own. And in high school and college, we were both big fans of like IGN people, right? Like, right. and no one has ever mentioned that. I've never had that fact regurgitated to me. And I don't know if it's just because it's like so basic that it's something everyone knows, right? Like it's Which is why I guess well I've never I've never egg. pulled it on anyone, you know? Like right. it's weird. So I don't know. It's just it's funny. That's just a funny thing I've like I thought about in my drive on the way to work. I'm like, do people actually know that? Or is it just like hiding in plain sight? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, anyways, Lee Winnell continues to kill it. I'm glad he's coming up with his boy James Wan. You know, it seemed like James Wan was leaving him in the dust a little bit. Right. But he's he's got his own studio shit going on, and he's doing just fine. And he's sticking in the horror genre, which obviously makes me a lot happier than what James Wan's doing. Like, Aquaman was fun, but I, I don't give a shit about DC. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, speaking of Blumhouse 20 stories ago, Jason Blum, we've talked about this before. <laughs> He's been talking about, like, kind of connecting their original IPs, like Paranormal Activity, Happy Death Day, and The Purge. And this website called Cinepop asked him if he was going to still do that. And he said, we would like to do that. We're thinking about it. It would have been easier to do had I thought of it earlier, but we're thinking of doing it with some of the characters anyway. And it's something I really like to do. Professional moneymaker Jason Blum, I don't think he would do this unless... 
he had an actual idea on how to do it. Right. But I will say, their haunted house at Halloween Horror Nights was like, they turned the Blumhouse Stinger before movies into a haunted house. I think it had Happy Death Day, and it. I've been in their Purge one. But they also own Sinister. So it's like, they do have IP that could make a cool universe, right? Like, I'm not going <laughs> to deny that. I mean, it's they just... definitely, they have a lot of good IP that they've made good <laughs> movies in. But I don't know, like, how deep do they want to go into the shared universe? Do they want to have a movie with, like, Tree and <laughs> Ethan Hawke from that. Put her from in everything. Out. Like, put, put Tree in every goddamn movie, dude. She's fucking awesome. I mean, they introduced the idea of multiverses. That's a very light spoiler. It happens at the very beginning of Happy Death Day 2. They introduced the idea of multiverses. So, like, the potential is there. <laughs> It just seems weird. Like, I, it seems like something that you would have to have a very thought-out plan to connect them all from the start. And put I mean, put Easter eggs in the movies that tie them together yeah. in some way, shape, or form. So that, like, after the fact, shoehorn these in. Like, are they going to go back and splice characters into old scenes of these movies and be like, they were I there mean, the whole time? Counterpoint, Warner Brothers is not even trying to have a shared universe with the conjuring and they figured it out <laughs> they they kind of are they put one scene in every movie that connects them. yeah yeah i i wouldn't mind that if like bagul ended up in the paranormal activity <laughs> universe or what you know what i mean yeah <laughs> uh, i mean like that'd be kind of cool but it just seems like they have a lot of good ips but i don't know what the benefit would be of mixing them they have insidious I just realized that they have Ouija, they have Sinister, which I don't know how they fucked up Sinister 2 so bad, <laughs> but they did. Uh, they have Happy Death Day, they have they don't have The Purge anymore. That series, they lost it somehow, I don't know, but whatever. Really? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I wish. But uh, I don't know what this picture in the bloody disgusting article is of the kid with like his head moving. I don't know what that's from. I don't really care. Regardless, they have a lot of movies. Yeah. Like, I, I can so. see them definitely tying together one or two of their universes, like you were saying, putting yeah. the, the thing from Sinister into Paranormal Activity, or, you know, putting, like, any one character that would kind of fit into another one. Like, you could kind of see the characters from Truth or Dare existing in the uh, Happy Death Day 3 universe or something. No, I can't. I, I don't think Truth or Dare can be used anymore. But, I but I mean, that's... it'd be like... No, I'm joking. I mean, it's completely sarcastic. No, you're right. <laughs> like, it would make sense that those characters would exist in, like, the same reality. But yeah, I, I just don't would. know what the benefit of doing that would be. Or trying to there shoehorn in these, like, connections. There isn't a benefit. It's completely stupid. Of course he's going to say he's wor he's thinking about it. Because then if he does it, he can say he's been thinking about it for a while and it's, like, always been his plan. Jason yeah, Blum is, like, a seed said, planter. No, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> like got up and just smacked the girl like the person interviewing him like no you fucking idiot like, why would i want to do that I i'm jason movie. blum my movies stand on their own <laughs> i'm jason blum i invented the purge yeah also not true but <laughs> anyways i'm gonna purge your ass if you ask me dumb question like that. i'm gonna purge your ass <laughs> you fucking loser anyways <laughs> 
That's just that's the Blumhouse shared universe update. I guess we have to do that annually now because it comes up all the time. But the weirdest story of all this week, George. Yeah. CBS All Access. The oh, you know service. I'm subscribed to this. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You're never subscribing. You're in a torrent. This shit. <laughs> I fucking know it. Uh, they have ordered an adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand two series. So that sounds like good news until you realize that it's a on CBS's All Access. And then B, that Josh Boone, we haven't heard that name in a while. Have not. He's the guy who allegedly ruined New Mutants. Um, he's working on it. They, they hired him to do this 10-episode TV show of <laughs> The Stand. So uh, the good news is it's like it starts at the top of the hill and then it just kind of like rolls down the hill. <laughs> the weirdest thing is... I think I can share this part of it because this was knowledge before my set visit. Um, I also don't think 20th Century Fox is listening, so who cares? Uh, he said that his mom, he his mom was like a really devout Christian and wouldn't let him watch scary shit. So he used to sleep with a copy of The Stand under his pillow. <laughs> and that's like his dream is to like ad- adapt The Stand. So it kind of makes sense that he would get to do this, except for the fact that like New Mutants still isn't out. It's not coming out. (laughs) That movie's just not coming out. Yeah. And if you Google rumors, it's like apparently he did not do a good job. And Fox was not happy with him. And they basically kicked him off the movie. So, I don't know. This is weird. What do you think? I I haven't read The Stand. I know it's, like, pretty widely considered to be one of the best King books. Like, people who read it love it and think it's, like, a masterpiece. Um it, it does seem like kind of a cool storyline, and I get why you'd want to do it in a TV series as opposed to a movie, because the book is like 3,000 pages long or something. <laughs> so, I mean, it, like, it is very thick. It's, it's a like a book. foot thick. Like, <laughs> like, there's no way to fit that into a two-hour movie. <laughs> yeah. So I get why you'd adapt it to TV. And so that's good, and I it's obviously smart to have somebody who's a massive fan of the source material to be the the main person behind adapting it um right but i don't know i i think they're really trying to get this cbs all access thing going because isn't the twilight zone series on that too yeah so it it might might be worth subscribing to for these two for those two series alone i'm not doing it I'm not subscribe. I'm not subscribing to this shit. It's it's stupid. The whole point of subscribe like subscription services was to replace cable, and now they're just the same thing as cable, but it ends up being more expensive because you got to subscribe to every individual goddamn channel. Right. And who knows? Like, is CBS suddenly not making network quality TV shows anymore? Because if this is some network quality ass TV show, like if I'm watching the cw's the stand like i don't give a <laughs> fuck dude i'm bouncing out quicker than right. i jumped in like yeah. in twilight zone like could be cool you got jordan peele hosting is he directing every episode we don't know i said it's <laughs> definitely not not the yeah case. like a lot of unknowns here with this bad streaming service they also put out a horror show on halloween because i still see ads for it when i go to hollywood for screenings and it has a bunch of pigs on it i don't know what the fuck that is <laughs> Like, what are they doing? What are they making over here at CBS? I don't know. Uh, honestly, I don't know any CBS All Access show or piece of content. I haven't seen one review or, or one person. They do this, the Star Trek one that people apparently don't like. 
yeah, I did forget about that. People don't like the Star Trek show. So yeah, so, so for the one series that they've made, it has a negative review. <laughs> so. so you've got a director who hasn't released his one movie that isn't The Fault in Our Stars. So, you know, big knock against him in my book. You've got CBS All Access, which is yet another streaming service that still hasn't proven itself. And we don't know what the quality is. So overall, I remain skeptical, George. I remain yeah. skeptical of the stand on CBS All Access. Yeah. Um, if it's something that is good, if people who watch it say that it's pretty good and it's not just, like, the 100, but the stand. Uh, <laughs> Dude, that's what I imagine, the 100 being, <laughs> like, that quality of show. Right. Like, if it's if it's something that is, like, an HBO or Showtime or, or premium channel level of quality, I might check it out, but I'm not going to watch a 10-part series that's subpar as a show. Yeah, so... That's that's all I really have to say on that. And now we're talking about Chucky again because that trailer dropped last week. They kind of said they kind of teased it like, "Yo, if you go see the Prodigy, like you might get to see the trailer beforehand." But hilariously, not every theater played the trailer beforehand, which is stupid. <laughs> uh, then they just released it online on Friday, and I don't know, like I I keep going back and forth on whether or not I'm being too hard on this movie. And then, I, like, cause, cause people, the people are excited for it. I see where they're coming from, I guess. And then I think about it, and I'm like, no, they're they're fucking wrong. Like, <laughs> this just looks bad. Like, it just looks bad. The trailer, it shows, it shows like the kid played by the kid from Lights Out. He's watching a TV commercial. He's got his hearing aid in because I guess he's deaf. That's a new layer to Andy. He's like, whoa, the, the buddy two is being announced, and then his mom gives him a present and. I will say that the sequences in the trailer that showed the pandemonium at this uh, toy store, which is definitely the end of the movie, so glad they spoiled that in the first trailer. <laughs> um, it looked pretty good. Like, visually, the movie looks pretty good, but the doll looks so short. He looks so little. And, th- of course, they're hiding him in the teaser, and everyone wants to say, like, oh, shit. Like, of course they're hiding him. It's just a teaser trailer. They don't want to show us what he looks like. I think the reason they don't want to show us what he looks like is because he looks like fucking Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I know we got those screens earlier of the the My Buddy doll. Were those like official releases? Of- no, remember I I got that picture from the stunt double for Aubrey Plaza's Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah, and then she started threatening people who used it that she was going to sue them via MGM. And I was like, yeah, right. So I just put it in a video <laughs> and I recolored the doll's hair. There's a big one in the background and he looks like Trump. So I recolored his hair to be red and I just started putting it in my thumbnails and everyone's telling me like, oh, they're going to use CGI to touch up the doll. Like it won't look like that. I'm like, yeah, but it's like, it's like painting shit. Like it's still, lo- it's like, what? That's such a bad excuse. A and B, the doll looks terrible. Like the buddy two looks terrible. They're like, well, the buddy two, it might look worse than the buddy one. And I'm like, yeah, cause that's how phones work. Right. When, you know, like your iPhone 6s, when they go to the iPhone seven, the iPhone seven looks a whole lot worse. Doesn't it? No, it looks fucking better because that's how technology works. And if you really want to find this doll, it's out there. It leaked like months ago. The real doll, and I can tell you right now, lo and behold, it looks like fucking Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> it just, I think that is part of it where maybe they're not really confident in the design of the doll, but uh, it just, it just seems like they're not doing 
anything right with it. Like the doll. They're doing nothing. That's the same fucking movie. It's right. exactly the same, except they're going to use the end of Child's Play two and call it different. Right. They're, they're like, going to. <laughs> they don't have the rights to do the complete shot for shot remake they want to do, so they're going to change it just enough, make to this dumb technology twist to it, and then put the ending of Child's Play two in at the as the last act. All right, everyone. Bookmark this episode. I'm going to tell you exactly what happens in this movie. <laughs> With no confirmation, just completely guessing from this ass trailer they put out and everything else that has surfaced from this movie. So, it's going to start out just like the original Child's Play, except instead of voodoo, there's going to be a worker in a factory who goes and he hacks this doll and then he kills himself because Kaslin Corporation has really bad working conditions. Then it's going to skip forward, I don't know, like six months or something, I guess. Maybe maybe two months because they want to be a little bit different, but just superficially. And then it's going to show this kid Andy. He's going to be bullied because he's deaf because how would a kid who's like 16 years old want this doll? <laughs> this kid would be playing fucking Fortnite. And then he's going to be sitting in his room. He's going to be all sad because he's getting bullied and shit and he's gonna see the tvs and see this commercial for the buddy too so he's gonna ask his mom hey aubrey plaza my mom who's like way too young to have a kid as old <laughs> as me I-, I want this buddy two doll mom's gonna be like shit i'm like a single working mom i'm poor so she's gonna buy this buddy one doll in a back alley that happens to be the buddy one doll that's hacked from the beginning of the movie the kids she's gonna bring it home it's ai is gonna make it have this warped sense of friendship and it's gonna be like anyone who comes between me and andy is bad andy is gonna say no i'm not your friend chucky then chucky's gonna be like all right then i'm killing everyone including your mom chucky is gonna kidnap the mom take him to the toy store where the buddy two is launching then he's also going to hack all of the buddy twos which are unopened and unreleased and do it skynet style so they start running around and killing all the people he's and then andy is gonna have to work along with his friends to save his mom from buddy one Andy has a chainsaw in the trailer so obviously he's gonna like say some really dumb shit like uh you're not my friend douchebag and then he's gonna stab <laughs> his little lawnmower weed whacker through the chucky doll cut it up and it's gonna be like and then it's gonna that's gonna be the end of the movie and then his it's gonna cut to a little like zoom in on his fucking cut off head or whatever and his eyes gonna turn on it's gonna be like and then it's gonna be like, Chink! and then it's gonna be the end of the movie I'd remember this probably exactly what's gonna happen <laughs> I'd say that's i'm telling you right now a, like, i'm at least beat plot of the movie i am at least 70 percent right <laughs> i didn't talk about detective mike norris who's being played by brian tyree henry because i didn't want to take up george's whole night here with all the, <laughs> the ins and outs of the intricate plot twists that are taken directly from child's play one that are shown in the fucking trailer because you see a someone's body on a car who do you think that is oh i think it's probably karen's friend maggie who's uh andy's babysitter i, I think that's a pretty f- like fair guess right because they're definitely going to redo like, that scene where she gets damn, pushed out the dude. window right all they want to do is they go oh we only have this little piece of the franchise for x amount of days Better just put whatever littlest effort we possibly can into it to get some cash off the back of it while we still get a chance to to profit off of it. And this isn't to discredit anyone who's working on this movie, because like Lars Kledberg, his first movie never came out. So obviously having something like Child's Play under your belt that makes a ton of money is a good thing to hop off of into a new movie. He could direct this script that's terrifically similar to the first movie. He could direct it well. We're not saying anything about his directing. The kid playing Andy might do a great job. Aubrey Plaza might do a great job. Their performances and this movie, like, 
in a situation where it shouldn't be made, that's not mutually exclusive, you know? Like, right. that's fine. It's they can work point. on a movie. It doesn't matter. It's like, like it's, it's not their job to, to have the moral high ground. Right. It's MGM's job to have the moral high ground, and they don't. You know why? Because MGM revived the Orion uh, label so they could remake the three movies they have, which happen to be, like, Child's Play, uh, RoboCop, which actually looks like they're doing the right thing for some reason, and whatever else they've got. And they did that because horror is hot right now, and horror is making money. Well, it's after they and remade RoboCop, and it was a piece of shit. For some reason, they're going with an R rating on this movie. Now, most most cases, right, we talk about we want R ratings. If you go on YouTube and you look at my videos, you look at other people's videos on this movie that are all blowing up, the I, the main target, or not the target audience, the audience that is latched onto this movie primarily seems to be kids. Like, 9 to 15-year-olds are mm-hmm. really interested in this Child's Play movie, and they're going with an R rating on it. Right. It so doesn't they can't make even any go sense. see it if they wanted to by themselves. Right. No one's mom's going to take them to see an R-rated movie. Like, they might, but I doubt it. <laughs> I don't know. It's the just, whole thing's a mess. Yeah. I think it's going to make, like, 70 million bucks, though, probably on its opening weekend. I, I'm. It'll probably be profitable. I'll say it'll probably be in the green by, like, a decent margin. Yeah. It's just... It's it's not worth getting upset over because at the end of the day, if it does well, that's good for horror as a whole because it's not like MGM and Orion own much stuff they can do this to. Mm-hmm. And it is a very unique situation with the franchise still being taken forward by Universal. Right. Um, it still has this like splintered <laughs> sidearm that is truly the creative force that started it that's still making stuff. So it's like... And fans of the franchise still have something to latch on to, but this is, like, kind of to bring people in, but not really, because they can't even really expand on it too much. So right. it's just a weird situation. And the funny thing is, people get all... They, they pull out this defense that, oh, Don Mancini has ruined the franchise. Like, it's his franchise to ruin, A, and B, they act like it's so different from his original vision. It's really not. The, the, the biggest change with Child's Play is that the voodoo element was never in Don Mancini's original script, which he wrote when he was a junior in college. And the whole conceit of Chucky coming to life was going to be uh, Andy cutting his hand and making himself a blood buddy with his, with his doll, which was going to be called a, My Buddy or whatever, because the whole twist of the doll was going to be that it could bleed. And then when this kid would go to sleep, the doll would enact revenge on people who the kid believed had wronged him. So it would go after his babysitter or his teacher or people like that. And so that's the biggest change. But people act like Tom Holland and the people involved with the movie are the ones who came up with what the doll looks like, when that's not the case. Uh, Fucking Don Mancini's lawyer told him to be as descriptive as possible when he was writing the script for blood buddy because if the movie got made or bought which it did he'd be able to claim ownership of the likeness of the doll on whatever merchandising they did on it which he did so he came up with the way chucky looks mgm is taking what he came up with and using it It, so it's like yeah the the original conceit of how the doll comes to life is different but the the situations he finds himself in the overall story of the kid being suspected of these killings which he kind of is because he's the one who wants these people dead in the first place that's all the same right it, it definitely does feel like underhanded and like a bastardization of this series that currently has the main like idea inventor of it 
who's trying his best to keep it going and still inject his new original ideas into it, but he gets the shaft because MGM wants to make their own movie for theaters. Yeah, and another person I really like who's still involved with the franchise is David Kirshner. He's the producer since the beginning on it. He's also the main reason that the movie uh, Hocus Pocus got made and like had a Halloween feel and was shot partially in Salem. And he's like the reason it got put into theaters and all that stuff. He's like, a, I've seen him, I saw him at Midsummer Scream last summer and the guy's like a genuinely good dude. And he he's the one who always went to bat for Don Mancini, made sure he was in the editing room. Like Tom Holland, the director of the original Child's Play, who everyone wants to pretend like made it what it is. Yes, he directed it pretty well. He also wanted Lucille from Arrested Development to be the voice of Chucky. They had already recorded Brad Dourif and they played him his voice on set. And then while they were editing it, he just decided randomly to redo the whole movie with that actress. For Like the, the shit he came up with is insane. That and it's so good that Diamond C was allowed into the editing room to fix this movie. Right, but that he, no that one, he had enough no one cares to say on it to kind of fix what would have made this probably not as huge of a franchise or pop culture icon as it is today. Right, and the only reason I know this is because I've been researching for a video like on the original Child's Play, and ironically, you can go as far back as you want. The only person who never changes their story is Don Mancini. The guy has said the same shit since all the way back when this movie's coming out. He's like, I, I was naive when I sold the script. He talks about what he came up with. He talks about how he got it back. It's never changed. And you know whose story always changes? Everyone else involved with the movie. I mean, I feel like this is going to be bad, but the TV show at least has a chance of being something interesting. Or, And, and it just has access to more of the things that are true to the franchise. It has the real Chucky. It has the real voice. It has the real characters it's it's got the all the actual things that you've come to like throughout the series and it's not just changed ever so slightly enough to where it's a knockoff you can put in theaters right i gotta send you one of these if anyone wants to see this one of these articles it's a great article that goes down the creation of the first child's play and the guy who wrote it interviewed uh david kirshner he interviewed Brad Dourif, he interviewed Tom Holland and Don Mancini and a couple other people, but at each beat of the story, he puts in the answer to the question each person gave. And it is like extremely telling. It's it's a really awesome article. Um I guess I don't I don't know how people find it. I'll put it in the notes of this episode cuz you can click link. So I'll put it in the um show notes. But that's going to do it for this week's news segment. Um <laughs> We're going to be right back with our review of The Prodigy. All right, guys, we're back from our quick break. And George and I, last week we were going to review Velvet Buzzsaw. And I don't think it was that neither of us really liked it because I don't think either of us did. It was just that, like, there was just not much to talk about with it. I walked away from that movie feeling nothing. Yeah, it's it's just a weird movie, and I think a lot of the things to talk about are plot-related, and it just being kind of, kind of a way-out-there plot and requiring a lot of, like, exposition and talking about if you haven't seen it, but... And then in the end, it wasn't even... It was just kind of okay. It was just, like, very much... I finished it and was like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, 
So The Prodigy is what we decided to review. It came out last week in theaters from MGM and Orion, and it stars um, Jackson Robert Scott, who's the kid who played Georgie in It Chapter One. He plays Miles, who's the baby of Taylor Schilling's character Sarah, and Paul Photo Edward, who's a... No, no, he's the killer. Never mind. There's a dad. We don't know who who plays the dad. (laughs) But Nicholas McCarthy is the director, and basically this kid comes out of the womb as the killer, Edward Scarda, is murdered at the beginning of the movie. And the kid has these the blood on his baby body in the same pattern as the bullet wounds of the killer. And so, th- instead of it being like an evil kid, it's more of a possessed kid. Like, this guy gets reincarnated into the kid's body, but they're sharing it. Right, and... so the kid, the kid exists, <laughs> has a personality, has a soul, yeah. but also this serial killer was reborn reincarnated into his body yeah and uh he's really smart <laughs> yeah it's and he's like, a he's a prodigy because of it like he can he speaks at a very young age he's you know, very advanced in school they have to put him in special classes because he's very advanced in his you know writing and reading and mathematic skills and so it seems like he's just a genius kid, but really it's because he has this mind and soul of this adult man in his body as well. Yeah, when he turns eight years old, he starts speaking Hungarian. He likes paprika. He, sh- <laughs> he shouldn't know what paprika is at eight years old, apparently. Uh, he hits a kid with a wrench at his smart boy school, <laughs> and he starts saying fuck you to his mom, which <laughs> admittedly is all awesome. Like. J- <laughs> The, the, the only reason to see this movie is uh, Jackson Robert Scott because he's a really good kid actor. He does a great job switching between the two personalities. He's really cute when he wants to be, but he's also like really scary <laughs> when he wants when he has to be for the right. script. And I will say the movie is shot really well. The movie it starts out in Ohio where uh, this guy Edward Sarka is dying, and his little murder shack is insanely cool that i wish the whole movie took place in this ohio locale but then it moves to pennsylvania and it's still pretty cool it takes place around halloween um the kids halloween costume is pretty cool yeah i i think really where the movie kind of falls flat is just that they have this kind of unique ambitious idea that i I was actually invested in i was interested in seeing what they were going to do with it how they're going to um implement this idea of one of the big uh, plot points of this killer is that he's obsessed with cutting off the hands of his victims and so there's a lot of like hand imagery throughout the movie and all this <laughs> but then they don't do anything <laughs> with like yeah. a lot of the plot there's there's a he's the, he's the hand scares killer. i thought that the parts that were actually like played for uh scares were pretty good like there's a scene where the killer's face is kind of transposed on the kid's body and it's pretty off-putting and weird. <laughs> that was awesome. And like there are some scenes like that that are cool and creepy and kind of put you at the edge of your seat, but other than that, they don't really do anything with the serial killer mythos or kind of expanding on that in any way. And really you just kind of leave it bored and and feeling like it's a missed opportunity to do some cooler things that you feel like they were kind of building towards, kind of setting up for but never followed through with. Yeah, and the marketing made a big deal out of Taylor Schilling playing the mom. I don't know what she's from. I didn't care enough to look her up. She's she from does Orange a is the fucking. New Black. Oh my 
God, she's terrible in this movie, dude. It feels like she's sleepwalking through it. Like, <laughs> uh, she's so vacant. And she delivers lines poorly. Her character motivation, she doesn't sell them at all. It's just bizarre. And she she's in the movie more than the kid. Like, the kid is more of a set piece than a actual character. Right, the plot and, revolves around him, but it's a lot of we, scenes we have to listen, with her kind of trying to discover God. what's going on with him. We have to listen to her dipshit melodrama the entire movie, and <laughs> none of it is captivating. She's like, the second she figures starts to figure out what's going on, because some doctor's like, yo, I study reincarnation. She brings this DVD home and watches it, and her husband's like, nah, this is definitely not happening. And she's like, you're right. <laughs> I'm an idiot. It's like, what? No, you have, like, solid evidence that this is happening. Like, your kid knows a weird dialect of hungarian like right. what the hell is wrong with you which is like well i'm not gonna give it a second thought throws her computer out the window and goes to bed like, <laughs> and then, uh but the the relationship between uh miles and the dad is so funny because he's just such a dick to his dad like he tells a he tells a social worker that his dad's hitting him like he's right, the wife immediately wedge between his family by by yeah framing his dad for child abuse and like yeah, and shout out him. to the mom. Like the the mom comes straight home and accuses him of beating the kid. It's like, right. damn, like, are you home? <laughs> like, what the hell's going on? And then uh, the kids like uh, kills the dog, kills their family dog because it knows that he's a forty year old in this child body, and then he like hides it in the basement. And the dad finds it. And he's like, what the fuck? And then he has to leave. <laughs> He's just like, this isn't happening. Like, obviously there's something wrong and no one's acknowledging it but me, so bye. And he's like, let's put him in kid jail. And the mom's like, we can't put him in kid jail? A jail made for kids? Oh no, we can't put him in kid jail. We should put him in adult prison. Also, like, the kids, the kills that the kid commits are not, like, smart or well thought out. They would easily be traced back to him in two seconds. So, like... The idea of him being this ultra-intelligent serial killer that is, like, masquerading this kid, it's like, oh, there's no way that they'll ever find me, is immediately discredited when you see some of this stuff where you're like, oh, so any person who looks at this would be like, oh, so the kid did it. Yeah, and my favorite scare in the whole movie, which is when the kid runs down the hallway and then the camera pans up and he, like, grabs yeah. the mom as the adult man, that is directly taken from another movie, and it's not an homage, it's just, like, taken. No, I, I didn't know about that, but I saw you talk about it on Twitter, and yeah. that, that scene is literally ripped right from that and done in this movie. So, they go and copy that movie, but they can't copy The Good Son <laughs> to make this kid more fucked up, like... <laughs> But Kelly Culkin shoots a dog with a homemade crossbow in that movie, and this kid kills the dog off screen, and the movie's rated R. Like, make me hate this guy. He's like in the kid. It's like the only thing I know so far is that he killed some people and it cut their hands off. Like, ooh, right. that's spooky. It's like, damn, dude. If I lived in Ohio, I'd probably get up some wild <laughs> shit like that too. Like, I'd be like, yeah, I want to collect hands. I'd go about it in better ways. Like, I'd probably hop on Silk Road and just like order some or something. Just order a couple, draw and dry eyes. <laughs> And I'd get caught, but it would have been a fun ride. Like, this guy's just like, well, you know, I put the restraints around the woman's wrist after I cut her hand off, and I'm very surprised she was able to escape. So I can't even believe that that happened. <laughs> she runs away. It's crazy. And then he gets, he runs out. The, the best part is how well they obscure his penis in this R-rated movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> when they, they have no claws on trying it. a baby's penis on screen two seconds Yeah, later. dude, they fucking... <laughs> they, they don't show the killer's dick, and then it immediately cuts to a kid's dick. I'd rather see this adult man dick than the baby dick. Right. I don't want to see this baby's dick. That's weird. <laughs> and it's like trying to do some stigmata shit with like right. the bullet wounds. It's like, really? Like, I would have understand. I would have understood. And you know what? They didn't have to spell that out. It would have been a cool reveal halfway through the movie that he was the reincarnation if they didn't tell you in the first three seconds of the movie <laughs> that he's a reincarnation of the serial killer. <laughs> and the way it ends, oh my God, it is so dumb. All right, spoilers, guys. Get off this movie or podcast if you don't want to have the ending of the movie spoiled. The mom, the, this is, this is, I like expelled this from my memory. Now it's all coming back. <laughs> The kid, the dad and the mom eventually do decide to take Miles to kid jail. So the dad's driving Miles to kid jail, tells him they're going to kid jail, and then the kid crashes the car, obviously. He stabs the dad with uh, hedge clippers, which he's... Which just has on him for some reason. Yeah. And uh, the dad ends up in urgent care. And and cuts his seatbelt. Oh, yeah. That was pretty cool. I mean, watching the kid sharpen the the hedge clippers, that was pretty sweet. Not going to lie. that was well shot. Like you were saying, there are scenes in this movie that are, that are shot well and look interesting, but it's just the plot is so half, half-baked. half Like, they have all these ideas going on, and then they don't follow through with anything. It all just ends yeah. up feeling like, okay, like, so, <laughs> so what now? Like, I don't understand where you're trying to go with this. And they're calling this like 2019's The Boy. Do not disrespect no, The Boy that way. The Boy had an boy incredible like twist. <laughs> the twist in this movie is just, it's one of those twists, George. You know those twists I hate that are just so <laughs> unbelievable that they're stupid. Yeah. And you're expected to think like, whoa, that was an impressive twist. It's fucking not. The mom like goes to a pawn shop, gets a 45. And she's like, all right, you have to put your sleeping pills in. Go, go to sleep so the, the kid goes to sleep she goes to the lady who escapes house and she's like i'm gonna fucking kill this bitch so she goes to the lady's house right she's like this will this will end this will be all the the uh, unfinished drama of this serial killer's <laughs> life so if i finish his unfinished business then he'll leave and i'll get my son back right and then the mom talks to the lady the lady's like oh i have a kid and the mom's like oh shit I can't kill her. She has a kid. Mom goes to the bathroom, throws up nothing. She just, like, makes the throw-up motion. Nothing comes out. She's, she's, like, looks in the mirror, and she's like, nope, time to load up my gun. Goes out into the kitchen, points at this lady, and then she's like, nah, I can't do it. But lo and behold, uh, Miles is there, and he kills the lady. And it turns out that he was taken over the body long ago. (laughs) So, So he runs out of the house. The mom chases after him with a gun, and she's about to kill him. But plot twist, a farmer shoots her, because obviously a lady pointing a gun at a kid is bad. <laughs> and the kid's like, oh, like, I'm, uh, my mom was trying to kill me, blah, blah, blah. And the mom dies. Then the kid gets um, put into a foster home while, her, while the dad's recovering in the hospital. They make a point to say that. Even though this family, like, builds this whole room for him and everything. Like, it says his name on the wall. Damn, <laughs> right, dude. so, like, my he's living there for, like, six months. The dad's just going to wake up and be like, oh, I guess I'll take my kid back from you guys. The dad's going to wake up, drive that kid to the end of the Santa Monica Pier, and 360 spin him like Bowser in Mario 64 into the ocean. I'd give him the, the people's second elbow. he wakes I'd up. I'd tune up the band and kick him through the front door. <laughs> 
Like, the dad knows the kid's fucking crazy. So, the second the dad wakes up, he's gonna get custody of the kid back. Right. And then he's gonna roundhouse his ass, because he's a kid. He's a kid's body. And this dad's gonna be a broken adult man, but still have ten times the strength of a nine-year-old's body. Dad's gonna cut the kid's arms and legs off and put him in a little backpack like Yoda and just carry him (laughs) around for the rest of his life. It's just, like, it's so strange. And that... (laughs) <laughs> the ending is so not satisfying there's some cool ideas there are some interesting scenes like for the first two thirds of it but I don't know I-, I probably wouldn't recommend people go out and see it yeah like if you're one of those people who's just really into kid horror like spooky kid I think there is some enjoyment to be found here because there's a spooky kid in it and it's shot well and it's only an hour and a half long, which is surprising because it feels like it's three hours long. <laughs> it does feel way longer than that. However, if you just want to go see a good horror movie, this is not the one to go see. No. I'd check out David Bruckner's new film, St. Agatha, which I have not seen, but I hear is pretty good. Um, that's all I got to say about The Prodigy. Yeah, I do not recommend. I gave it, I think, a 2.5 on Letterboxd. I gave it a 2. But It's like competent enough but it doesn't really cross the threshold into mediocre. Like, it's still below mediocre. Yeah, like, what's the difference between a 4 and a 5 out of 10, really? Like, you don't like either of them. (laughs) (laughs) So, that's what we thought of The Prodigy. I know we were just being a little hard on it, but we were just joking around. Honestly, it's fine. I just don't think it's remarkable in any way, and there's much better movies out there. The ending twist is kind of crazy, but... It's, it's crazy in a way like, that's just out of nowhere. It's like I'm kind of glad I saw it once so I can at least like say that I've seen it or whatever, but I would never watch yeah. it again. I wouldn't You're watch building it on, out the encyclopedia. I would never watch it on Hulu. I would never watch it on Netflix. I would never watch it on any streaming service. I'd be like, no, that movie is not good. I'm not going to watch that ever again. Yeah, but I would watch The Boy again. For, but I would watch The Boy again. That's a, that's a pretty good movie. So. <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Champagne. We can find George at George Frizzard. Remember to join our Discord server. It's been popping um, off lately. Yeah, there's like a lot of people in there now. I think there's like, a, we have 127, um, not that I was counting. We have 127 <laughs> <laughs> people joined our Discord and all of them are pretty cool. So come hang out, talk about horror movies and all that stuff. But we'll be back next week with our review of Happy Death Day to you. Goodbye. Happy Death Day to you.